President, we have a national emergency. This is one of the things that we can shoot first and ask questions later. Uh, normally you can't do that. All of a sudden these trees started moving out of the way. They parted for me. And then I came out into this opening and there where I saw Jesus Christ. Welcome in to End Time News. I am your host, W. Dean Shook, bringing you the news the mainstream media is never going to touch. We've got a full program of that today. Before we get started, let me remind everyone you can download the mobile app for End Time News at Google Play or at the App Store. It's absolutely free and never miss another episode of End Time News. So thank you for being here. I appreciate everybody showing up. This is going to be a lively one today. I want to start right off with one out of New York. Reported by WND, with the assistance of Republican leadership in Congress, the Obama administration took a major step forward to systematically putting into place a two-ocean globalist plan that will dwarf all prior trade agreements, including NAFTA. In a deal reached Thursday afternoon, Senate Finance Committee Chairman Orrin Hatch got the reluctant support of Ranking Member Ron Wyden from Oregon to join House Ways and Means Committee Paul Ryan in introducing to both houses of Congress fast-track legislation, formerly known as the Promotion Authority, or the TPA. It would give President Obama what's known as fast-track authority. Now, this is so he can push through Congress the Trans-Pacific Partnership. That's a 12-nation Free trade agreement involving the United States, Canada, Mexico, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Malaysia, Singapore, Vietnam, Brunei, Chile, and Peru. Under fast-track authority, there's no provision for Congress to modify the agreement by submitting amendments. Fast-track authority also treats the FTA as if it were a trade legislation being negotiated by the executive branch, not as a treaty that would require two-thirds vote from the Senate. Democrats in Congress didn't have long to wait for prominent union leaders to express their strong opposition to the TPP deal. Teamster President James Hoffa said that it's a bad deal for American workers as well as their families. He said here in the U.S., thousands of jobs would be shipped overseas to places like Vietnam that pay workers less than $3 a day. It would be a continuation of gutting the middle class that began under NAFTA. 
Our carefully worded statement from the White House suggests that all President Obama would have to do is get enough Democratic votes in Congress to obtain this fast-track authority and move the TPP through Congress without anyone having any say about it. Which strikes me kind of strange because in 2013, 151 House Democrats wrote a letter to President Obama saying their opposition to using outdated fast-track procedures that upserts Congress's authority over trade matters. Congress is giving up their own authority to our new dictator-in-chief. And speaking of dictator-in-chief, for some reason the Obama administration just doesn't get it. Supreme Court issued an order today preventing the Obama administration from forcing religious groups in Pennsylvania to obey his HSS mandate that requires them to pay for abortion drugs for their employees. This is the fifth time the Supreme Court has rebuked the Obama administration and prevented it from making this kind of mandate. In an order issued last night, Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito prevented the federal government from enforcing its contraceptive mandate against a range of Pennsylvania-based religious organizations, including Catholic charities and other Catholic schools and social service organizations that are connected to the diocese. The Supreme Court has previously protected the Little Sisters of the Poor, Hobby Lobby, Wheaton College, and the University of Notre Dame. According to the Beckett Fund, Justice Alito's order is similar to the preliminary order that Justice Sotomayor provided to the Little Sisters of the Poor in 2013. The order requires the government to brief the Supreme Court next week on why it would be allowed to fine these organizations for refusing to, to distribute abortion-inducing drugs and devices and other contraceptives. Lori Wyndham, senior counsel of the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty, told Life News how many times must the government lose in court before it gets the message. For years now, the government has been claiming that places like Catholic Charities and the Little Sisters of the Poor are not religious employees worthy of an exemption. That argument has always been absurd. Every time a religious plaintiff has gone to the Supreme Court for protection from the government's discriminatory mandate, the court has protected them. That's what happened to Little Sisters of the Poor. Wheaton College, Hobby Lobby. The government really needs to give up on this illegal and unnecessary mandate. The federal bureaucracy has lots of options for distributing contraceptives. They don't need to coerce nuns and priests to do it for them. The Supreme Court will consider a similar case involving an order of Nashville Dominican nuns and several Tennessee and Michigan-based Catholic charities at a conference of the justices on April 24th. Well, apparently the Obama administration is just not getting it. It's going to waste our tax money on lawsuits they can't win until they get the answer they want. Because we know they won't run out of money. After all, they're using our tax dollars. Well, and I'd like to throw this in. According to Breitbart News, physicians want Dr. Oz removed from Columbia University facility. I think everyone knows who Dr. Oz is. He has the television show. Well, a group of renowned physicians petitioned Columbia University this week to fire television personality Dr. Oz from the school's facility. They're characterizing the celebrity doctor's brand of medicine as being full of voracious quack propositions and magical mystery cures. 
In a letter sent to Columbia University, 10 prominent physicians questions Dr. Oz's medical advice, along with the university's motivation for keeping him on staff. Oz currently serves as vice chairman of the school's Department of Surgery. He reportedly joined the facility in 1993. According to the New York Daily News, they say he's a quack, a fake, and a charlatan. This according to Dr. Henry Miller. He said, I think we know the motivation of Columbia. They're starstruck. They like having on their facility the best-known doctor in the country. But the fact is, his advice endangers patients. And this doesn't seem to phase them. Whether they're hoping Oprah will come out and endow a center for homeopathic medicine, I don't know. But the letter co-signer, Dr. Gilbert Ross, executive director of the American Council on Science and Health, charged Oz of benefiting from the voracious quack propositions that he's putting on his TV show, calling them magical mystery cures. He went on to say, We find it a shame that he has fled from the ethical and responsible practice of medicine to exploit his television personality, Ross said. Columbia University quickly issued a statement in response to the letter. Columbia is committed to the principle of academic freedom and the upholding the facility's members' freedom of expression for statements they make in public decisions. This according to Doug Levy, Chief Communication Officer at the school's medical center. Levy confirmed to USA Today the school has no plans to take action against Oz. In June, Dr. Oz appeared before the Senate Subcommittee on Consumer Protection, where he was grilled by Chairwoman Senator Claire McCaskill over his medical recommendations. The doctor defended himself, though he acknowledged he's made it more difficult for the FTC. He said, if I can just get across the big message that I do personally believe in the items I talk about on my show, I passionately study them. Oz told the Senate panel, I recognize that oftentimes they don't have the scientific muster to present as a fact, but nevertheless, I give my audience the advice I give my family all the time. I give my family these products. Specifically, the ones you mentioned, I'm comfortable with that part. So Dr. Oz admits his advice is not scientific. Well, and I'd like to tell you about a new weapon the police have. Armed cops who can blind you with a laser. This according to WND. Last summer's riots in Ferguson, Missouri, prompted much talk about President Obama and certain members of Congress about the need to demilitarize local police force. Nearly a year later, the opposite is happening. New and more powerful weapons are flowing into local police departments daily, and still others are new to the marketplace. The weapons about to make its debut is the Zero Retinal Obfuscation Gun. When fired, the gun allows officers to temporarily blind its targeted subjects for up to 15 minutes. The new compliance weapon made a splash at the Urban Shield trade show last October in Boston. It's not yet available for purchase, but recently entered the manufacturing stage. According to its maker, Reno Nevada-based Shield Defense Systems, LLC, it can be weapon-mounted or hand-held. said we're currently developing and manufacturing numerous proprietary technologies. Don't be left behind. The firm says on its website... Contact us now to be on the priority list for information and demonstrations at 
info at shielddefensesystems.com. The company refers to recent controversies in making its pitch for the high-sight-stealing gun, says the weapon is safe to use against humans, with the rise of recent controversies directed at law enforcement officers, SHIELD Defense Systems have dedicated its personnel and resources with primary objectives in providing non-lethal and less harmful but effective deployable defense systems to subdue an assailant. They said our weapons focus on the preservation of human life and post-quality of life while delivering effective compliance techniques to quell both foreign and domestic threats. Battlefield America's John Whitehead, a constitutional lawyer, found on the Rutherford Institute and author of the new book Battlefield America, said the war on people finds it interesting that while police have bulked up with military-grade gear, including night vision goggles, they'll soon have a new tool to block the vision of citizens. What you're dealing with here is a fully armed army on the ground. All right, and what I have here now is a story that the government and the mainstream media has been trying to debunk for the last year, according to Godfather Politics. How would you feel if you drove into a town here in the United States, found that many of the street signs were in Arabic only, with no English wording, then you look around and you discover that many of the signs and businesses were also in Arabic. Not possible, you say? Think again. Welcome to Dearborn, Michigan. Steve Tarani, author and speaker, recounts what he saw when he rode with a member of the Detroit Metro SWAT police as they drove around Detroit and into Dearborn. The street signs suddenly went from English to Arabic. There wasn't a single English word on any shop on any street sign. And in fact, these little yellow signs were posted all along the edges. Jeremy said to me, this is it. We don't go past this line. And I said to Jeremy, what do you mean? You guys are Detroit Metro. You're a SWAT team. You can go anywhere you want. What if you get a call over there, he said. This is it. It's hazardous for our team if we go past this line. I've seen it with my own eyes, witnessed it in the back seat of a car, and it's for real. No-go zones exist here in the United States. Dearborn, Michigan is not the only place that these settlements exist. They're spread out over the country in various cities. They're estimated of over 5,000 known terrorist cells in the United States. However, our most persistent and significant threat right now to us here in the homeland is violent extremists. Some people try to discount Tarani's account, but I've seen it too. Many reports that have come out of Dearborn that would tend to support his account of the Muslim takeover of the American city. Christians have been attacked by Muslims without prosecution. They've also been told to stay away from the city's Islamic festivals and even banned from talking to people in the public streets outside the festivals. The Muslim influence is so strong in Dearborn, the high school holds girls-only proms because Muslim girls are not allowed to socialize or dance with boys. These proms are religious-based. No one has said anything about any violation of church or state or tried to stop them. 
Christian students are banned from having Christian parties or prayer meetings. But Muslims are allowed to pray in school, hold Islamic proms. You have to ask why organizations like the ACLU, American Atheists, Freedom from Religion Foundation, Americans United for the Separation of Church and State, remain silent about what's happening in Dearborn schools. Near Freesboro, Tennessee, is fast becoming a second Muslim-controlled city just like Dearborn, and there's others on the way. He said, I have friends in the UK who have told me of how Muslims have taken entire cities and areas in their country. What they tell me is that it all started with cities like Dearborn and just continues to spread. He said one of my friends compared Islam in England to a cancer that continues to spread and contaminate everything it encounters. In time, it will spread to the point that the country dies from it and becomes the home of a religion that teaches hate, bloodshed, and Sharia law. Like a cancer, the only way to save the nation is to stop the spread of the religion of terrorism. Then he told me that in our modern sophisticated world full of freedoms and rights, that it's impossible to stop the spread of Islam without igniting a religious war. Now realize that Barack Hussein Obama has been actively inviting Muslims to the U.S. He's also advocating opening our doors to up to 7 million Syrian Muslim refugees. And there's no telling how many terrorists were hiding among those 7 million. That'd be like trying to cure a patient by injecting him with massive doses of cancer cells. I have to honestly say that the future of America is not looking very bright. And to be honest... I don't know what to do to change it other than to make others aware of it and encourage everyone to get on their knees and pray for the Christian revival of America. Except maybe the only thing that saves us right now. I'm going to take a short break here, but when I come back, I'm going to give you an update on the ISIS training camps near border. These gory details of the Mexican drug cartel executions and despite court orders to stop Obama's amnesty, He moves forward like nothing is happening, and there's a story about 166 college girls being asked to get pregnant so that they can abort these babies for research. I'll be right back after this short message. You're listening to End Time News. Hi folks, have you noticed the federal government and police departments are using drones for everything? Drones are expensive, they're hard to fly, it can take up to a week just to learn to make a drone hover. Not anymore, there's a new generation of drones that are not only affordable but very easy to fly. Now you can have your own personal drone, anything from a micro mini that'll fit in the palm of your hand, right up to a full scale model, 10 inches in diameter like the model I have, the V949 Pro comes with a 6-axis 4-rotor blade and an HD 2.4 camera mounted on the bottom. These drones are made of a space-age polymer. They're durable. And don't worry about crashing your drone. Replacement blades for this drone from the website are only $1.80 for a pack of four. That's right, I said $1.80 for a pack of four replacement blades. You can also get an extra long life battery. This battery allows you up to a half hour of fly time with a maximum speed of 40 miles an hour. 
have your own personal drone and you can get all of this for under $70. If you go to the website, wdeanshook.com, and click on the banner on the webpage, you can get from 7 to 22% off your personal drone. It's shipped as a kit. You can be up and flying your own personal drone with an HD camera within a half hour. Come to the webpage, wdeanshook.com. Click on that banner and get your discount today, wdeanshook.com. There is a sense in the world, there's a sense among believers, there's a sense among unbelievers, there's a sense among all peoples that things are unhinged. The Middle East is unhinged with uprisings, revolutions, and where is it heading? How are followers of Jesus to relate to all of these things? How do they relate to biblical prophecy? America is in spiritual, moral crisis. Values are changing, and so rapidly. I mean, that have not happened in the history of man. How are level-headed, responsible Christians to relate to the testimony of the biblical prophets and the unfolding of chaos throughout the world? Not just believers are wondering, is this a sign of the end? i 
everything you need to make a name for yourself on the web, from domain names and website builders to complete e-commerce solutions. We've earned our place as the world's number one accredited domain registrar by delivering world-class products at competitive prices and support them with industry-best services delivered 24-7, 365. We're proud to serve our customers from locations around the world, Sign up now at WDShook.com and get your domain name as low as $5.99 a year. Sign up now at WDShook.com. Go, Daddy. Go, Daddy. We are living in unprecedented times. Constant wars worldwide. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. They're genetically modifying our food. Increased violence as the heart of man grows cold. Ever-increasingly tyrannical governments around the world. Stay connected. End-time prophecy news with W. Dean Shook. Your connection to the signs of the times. Thank you very much for allowing me that break. I appreciate that so very much. And please make sure you visit our sponsors at our website. And these full stories that I've already given you and the ones I'm going to give you are going to be posted on the website in full at wdeanshook.com. So let's get to this update. FBI is huddling over ISIS in Mexico. Now it seems the FBI is huddled down with Mexican authorities in Juarez to develop a mass strategy into the reports of an ISIS presence just across the border in Mexico, according to a Washington watchdog, Judicial Watch, which has a long history of exposing government misbehavior, has released a new report claiming ISIS activities near American southern border. This is the same one I reported to you a few days ago. A high-level intelligence source who must remain anonymous for safety reasons, confirmed that the meeting was conveyed specifically to address a strategy to deny Judicial Watch's accurate reporting and identifying who's providing information to Judicial Watch. Federal officers, meanwhile, are denying the Judicial Watch report, but the organization says it's been told an FBI supervisory personnel met with the Mexican Army officers and Mexican Federal Police officials. The FBI liaison officers regularly assigned to Mexico were not present at the meeting, and conspicuously absent were representatives from the Department of Homeland Security, and it's not clear why DHS didn't participate. Publicly, U.S. and Mexico have denied the Islamic terrorists are operating in the southern border region, but the rapid deployment of FBI brass in the aftermath of the Judicial Watch report seems to indicate otherwise. A Mexican Army field-grade officer and a Mexican federal police inspector were among the sources that confirmed to Judicial Watch that ISIS is operating a camp just a few miles from El Paso. 
The base is around eight miles from the U.S. border in an area known as Anapra. But these reports conflict with claims by the Department of Homeland Security that there's no imminent danger of ISIS breaching the nation's southern border. We know better. The question is, why is the government trying to cover this up? Well, in Breitbart, Texas is reporting. Now, this might be a little graphic, and let me tell you this before I report this story about these cartel executions. I'm going to post this story on the website at wdeanshook.com after the program. The dismembered bodies of two women stuffed into an ice chest and the headless body of a man spread terror throughout a large commercial plaza just a few feet away from the international bridge that connects this border city to Brownsville, Texas. These gruesome executions are the latest in a gory tit-for-tat that has rocked the border area as rival factions of the Gulf Cartel, mainly the Metros and the Cessalones, continue their armed struggle over territory control of lucrative drug trade routes. The ice chests were found earlier this week in a parking lot at a shopping mall. Inside the ice chest, federal and state authorities found not only ice, but also the body parts of two women. They also found the headless body of a man with a narco message stating that a similar fate can be expected of those who support the Cicelones faction. The message also taunted them, telling them to send trained fighters and not women. The message was signed by one of the metros known as 65. The female member of the Gulf Cartel that was dismembered had an arm tattooed that helped identify who she was, Jocelyn Nino, who had been exposed earlier this year by the Citizens Journalist when she was ousted as an alleged cartel member. They had, in fact, published a photograph of a smiling young woman posing with an AR-15, a weapon that's highly illegal in Mexico. But cartel members tend to pose and post their pictures in social media with these AR-15s. The other two bodies have not been publicly identified. Well, if you go to the website after the program, when I put it on there, click on that link and open the story, you'll see the picture of this young girl standing there holding the AR-14. Then below it is a picture of the ice chest. And on her arm, you can clearly see a very distinctive tattoo. Then right below that, a picture of the ice chest and a picture of the severed arm with that tattoo on it. It's a little disturbing and kind of graphic. But that's what we're dealing with at our southern border. Well, let me give you another example of people bowing to Islam. Top judge in Britain's courts said they should respect the right of Muslim women to wear the veil. This, according to the Telegraph, Britain's most senior judge had said that the Muslim women should be allowed to wear the veil in court as it's important to show respect for other people's cultures. Lord Newberger, the president of the Supreme Court, said it was crucial for judges and courts to show and be seen to show respect toward other cultures, including having an understanding of different cultures and social habits. And those who appear in court, either as defendants, witnesses, or jurors, the Telegraph has reported, in 2013, the Lord Chief Justice Lord Thomas called for clear guidance on the wearing of face veils in court, allowing controversy over a trial at London's Blackfairs Crown Court of a Muslim woman accused of witness intimidation. Rebecca Dawson claimed her religion prevented her from removing her veil in front of men. 
But Judge Peter Murphy said that it was of cardinal importance to the adversarial system that a jury be able to see the face of the defendant while that person is giving evidence. He added, the defendants could not expect the court to set aside an established procedure to accommodate a particular religious practice. That would be to privilege religious practice in discriminatory way and would adversely affect the administration of justice, he said. Lord Newberger said it's necessary to have some understanding as to how people are different from different cultures, religions, or other backgrounds, how they think and behave, and how they expect others to behave. Well-known examples include how some religions consider it inappropriate to take the oath, how some people consider it rude to look at other people in the eye, and how some find it inappropriate to appear in public with their face uncovered, and how some people deem it inappropriate to confront others or to be confronted, for instance, with the outright denial. His comments have been welcomed by Secretary General of the Muslim Council of Britain, who said, No one disputes that the dispensing of justice, the law of the land, must be upheld. And there's another slap down for the Obama administration. Not that it's going to make any difference. He seems to do whatever he wants. But Politico is reporting bad news for the Obama administration in the appeals court. Politico is reporting there were few positive signs for the White House Friday as President Barack Obama's latest executive action on immigrations were debated in front of federal appeals court. During more than two hours of oral arguments before the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans, Obama's own statements about his immigration moves were used by a Republican-appointed judge to put a Justice Department lawyer on the defensive. And the soul of the Democratic appointee on the three-judge panel repeatedly argued for the legitimacy of President Obama's actions by turning to an argument that the administration fears could discourage illegal immigrants from applying for programs that offer them quasi-legal status and work permits. By the time the court session wrapped up, it appeared likely the appeal judges will rule two to one against the administration's request for a stay of a district court injunction barring Obama from going forward with an expansion of a program offering this quasi-status to illegal immigrants who came to the U.S. as children and with a new program that offers the same benefits to illegal immigrants' parents. Well, in spite of this, the Obama administration moves on. Obama is demanding welcoming for illegals. What does this mean? Well, President Obama's White House Task Force on Creating Welcoming Committees unveiled its recommendations Friday for a national strategy to integrate millions of immigrants and refugees into cities and towns across the United States. The chair of the task force, Obama's domestic policy advisor, said her focus is on making sure Obama's historic immigration policy gets institutionalized so it'll live on long after her and her boss are gone from the White House. Obama created the task force November 21st when he announced his plan to unilaterally grant amnesty to more than 5 million illegal immigrants and child immigrants. The administration is also bringing in 70,000 foreign refugees per year from places like Iraq, Somalia, Burma, and Syria. Friday's conference was titled, The New National Immigration Plan, Making the Most of a Historic Opportunity. 
Well, Ava Malona, co-chair of National Partnership for New America, a coalition of 34 organizations involved in everything from protecting immigrant rights to providing social services, also said a strong national role is needed to facilitate integration. Said we've been pushing to really have a centralized leadership in terms of implementation in this report. Said we're happy that the report is called for a centralized entity to really move it forward. She said Felicia Escobar, special assistant to the President for Immigration Policy, will be leading the way. Even though the court has told him to stop in his tracks, he still goes on. Well, and how many of you like to fly? Well, there's been a secret terrorist behavior checklist that's been leaked. So the next time you're in an airport, you'll be frozen in fear, touching nothing and no one. Because according to a leaked TSA behavior checklist, basically existing in an airport is enough to get you suspected of terrorism. The Intercept obtained a confidential TSA document. It details its terrorism checklist. These are behaviors that could get you suspected of illegal activity in an airport. The goal is to identify potential terrorists by their suspicious airport behavior. A program known as SPOT, screening of passengers by observation techniques. Officers are supposed to assign point values to your specific behaviors. Too many points and you're getting cavity checked in back. Among the things that could earn you possible points are exaggerated yawning, throat clearing, arriving late for a flight. Signs of deception include blinking quickly, covering your mouth when you're speaking, or if you're not already paranoid about your normal actions being misconstrued as diabolical plotting, don't forget that paranoia is also on the checklist. No emotion is safe. Spot has cost $900 million since being introduced in 2007, despite the fact that the Government Accountability Office concluded in 2013 there was no scientific backing for the program. With a 92-point checklist, it does seem impossible to be effective. Every action, every sign of stress can't be a malicious act. Airports are stressful by their nature. It's silly to assume assigning point values to your stress makes the airports safer. In the meantime, try to avoid getting on that list by sitting silently or talking quietly while looking straight ahead. Don't make eye contact. Don't touch any part of your body. No natural scratching of the face more than once per hour. And you should be able to stay off of that enhanced security check. Well, and according to Life News, university has recruited teens to abort their babies in the name of science research. Oxytocin is the feel-good hormone that bonds a child to his or her mother. But never mind that, researchers in Hawaii are recruiting girls as young as 14 to participate in a second trimester abortions, where the pre-born baby is 18 to 24 weeks in gestation. They're doing this in order to test whether or not oxytocin can reduce bleeding in mothers during and after abortion. The study is being conducted by the University of Hawaii and the University of Washington in Seattle, both public universities, which leads to the obvious question, is the government funding this study? A second trimester abortion is at least a two-day procedure 
where the baby is given a heart-stopping medication that either is delivered the next day or dismembered by the abortionist. Women have died from having legal abortions this late in pregnancy, such as Jennifer Morbelli, who died in 2013 as a result of a late-term abortion. Tanya Raves died in 2012 after a dilation and evacuation second trimester abortion at Planned Parenthood Clinic in Chicago. The clinical study in Hawaii is seeking 166 participants and supposedly started in October of last year and it's expected to finish in July of this year. That is at least 166 children who will suffer a horrendous and painful death in the name of research. Several scientific studies have shown babies feel pain by at least 20 weeks gestation. When subject to painful stimuli, babies will flinch, recoil, or jerk away. For mothers, the risk of physical harm drastically increases later in the pregnancy. During the first trimester abortions, the chance of physical complications are around 6%, but increase to 50% or higher for abortions into the second trimester. A study on abortion-related mortality from 1988 to 97 showed that women died from abortions at a rate of 29.5 deaths per 100,000. Boy, I just hate reporting stories like that. Well, you can email me at contact at WDeanShook and make sure you come to the webpage. You can see these full stories and please visit our sponsors. But when the dust settles and the smoke clears... I'll be bringing you more truth in the news. Thank you. You can get these full stories and more at WDeanShook.com. That's WDeanShook.com.